Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue what we started last week in the 13th chapter of the book of Mark. In the middle of Jesus' last week in Jerusalem, leading up to the crucifixion, Jesus takes a moment to pull back the veil and give a glimpse of what was going to come to pass in the future. This has become known as the Olivet Discourse. Pastor Jim just introduced it last week, and now we're going to start to get into the details of what Jesus revealed. But we'll be spending several more weeks in this chapter to deal with all of it. Some of what is here is now history. Some we see happening around us even today, and some we still wait for. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Beginnings of Birth Pangs. Many people are apparently going to make what we might refer to as foxhole decisions to be believers. But when the full-blown hatred is unleashed upon everyone who names the name of Christ by the Antichrist and his religious sidekick, the false prophet, and the persecution comes through their one-world government and their one-world religion, those not truly committed to Christ are going to jump ship. They will receive the mark of the beast, choosing creature comforts over eternal blessing. Some of them will go so far as to betray genuine believers. Sin will be too attractive. The lure will be too compelling. The deception will be too strong. The manipulation will be overwhelming. And those who are unwilling to die... For their faith in Jesus Christ, even if they profess to love Him, one day they're going to become the enemies of the ones who will truly lay down their lives for the truth. And once they abandon their pretense of faith in Christ, those same betrayers are going to fall for all the more of the delusions, and the false prophets will prey on them, and many will be misled. But do you notice there in Mark, 11, or Mark 13... 13, how he adds the description of what true faith will look like in those days. The one who endures to the end, he will be saved. In that context, what is the end? Well, what will be the sign of the end of your age and of, his, and, and of your coming? It was, it's specifically referring to the second coming of Christ. Now, if it's necessary for faith to endure to the end at that time, trust me, it's necessary now for you to be faithful. Somebody came up to me after the first service and said, well, I've always heard that the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Well, that means the one who endures to the end of his life will be saved. Yeah. And if you happen to live in that time, you've got to endure to the end. When I first got to Russia, I heard a lot. I heard this verse quoted a lot because I met in every single church I was in on my first several visits there more than one person who knew somebody. 
you, you, often it was the former pastor of the church, or it was uncle so-and-so, or my father, or my, or my parents who were taken away in the middle of the night for the crime of believing in Christ, or teaching the Bible, or proclaiming the gospel. Sometimes they would be told in a day or two where the body might be found, sometimes never. And they take this quite literally. True believers stand for Christ to the end. But in this context, the end is the second coming. Now, that doesn't mean it, that you're saved by endurance. That's not what we're saying. You're saved by the grace of God. But it's not the endurance that produces salvation. It's the salvation that produces the endurance. Endurance and faithfulness to the end is the Spirit-empowered product and evidence of a saved soul. This doctrine is taught in many ways in the New Testament. I don't have time to develop any of it for you now. Suffice it to say, this is an end times application and declaration of the concept that's usually referred to as perseverance of the saints, or from a different viewpoint, eternal security. There is no such thing as a former Christian. There is no such thing as temporary saving faith. It is not possible to have eternal life temporarily because you, were, you know you were born in your sins, you were born alienated from God. You can't be born in that situation and then be saved and then again become lost because that would require God to change His mind or have a power failure. Um, faith which saves is faith that endures. That's what He's saying. Now when they asked, when will these things be? Remember? What was their expectation? The kingdom of God is coming immediately. So if they were going to turn their question into a multiple choice question, the options they would have given to Jesus was, A, tonight. I mean, we've already waited three days since you showed up in town. Or B, tomorrow. C, day after tomorrow. D, well, after the Passover. We can kind of understand that. Or E, we could wait another whole week until after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He had told them now, though, that the temple that they were looking at would be totally destroyed. He didn't say exactly when. We have the privilege to have hindsight. We know that that took place about 40 years later. That was not one of their answers to their multiple-choice question of when. You're not going to make us wait 40 years Read chapter 1 of Acts. After 40 days after the resurrection, they were still saying, is it today? Is it today? Is it today? Is it now? They they still took a long time for this transition of their understanding to take effect. They had not caught on that when Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees and Herodians and scribes, what we saw in Matthew 23, 39, I say to you from now on, you shall not see me until, the, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was making the point that the triumphal entry was not the ultimate entrance to the king because the Jews were not fully 
embracing him. So the coming the disciples had in mind was a good thing. The coming of the king, the coming of the kingdom. They were not thinking of a second coming. They saw all of this happening in an unbroken series of events that would occur over a relatively short period of time. And they believed they were smack dab in that time. Now, the rest of the Olivet Discourse is going to help clarify the reality of the second coming. Stick around. We're going to see the second coming. I hope we see it literally. I hope you don't just have to hear about it. Wouldn't it be fantastic? Well, there's a lot of things happened before that because it starts with the rapture of the church. But we'll be talking about it as we move along. Now, I said I was going to whisk you through the text. I did. Now, I'm going to explain to you some things about it. It's very common for people to read verses like we've just read, not pay attention to the context and say, yep, that's, that's the world in which we live. Wars, and when we're not blowing each other up, we're talking about it. There's a rumor about it. Uh, natural disasters. Christians are being persecuted now more, than, now more than ever. So obviously that's what Jesus was talking about, but that's not how you interpret the Bible. Remember those three Principles of interpretation, context, context, and context. So, I want to show you now how we know that what we just read, and what we're going to see next time, is future. How do we know this isn't right now? All right, I just alluded to, quoted to you, Matthew 23, 39. Until the leadership of Israel believes in and embraces Jesus as Messiah... This isn't going to happen. That's a condition, if you will. Number two, Mark 13, 8. These things are called the beginning of birth pangs. False Christ, international warfare, famines, earthquakes. Those are merely the beginning. Now, he chose that terminology for a reason. Jesus knew what he was saying. These would be birth pangs or labor pains, as we would say it. That's a very strong picture for the intensity and the sequence of these events. Now, as I said, I've never been pregnant, but I've read things, I've seen things, I've talked to people. Labor pains do not occur at conception. There'd be a lot fewer babies if that was the case. Nor do, and ladies, if you've been pregnant, I think you'll all say amen to this, they don't occur all through the pregnancy. Now, things happen through the pregnancy. Things are happening now. The seed is being sown. There are responses, good responses, bad responses, phony responses. There's a lot going on. But the labor pains come just before birth. So to use the figure of speech of labor pains to represent the, oh, I don't know, the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 or to refer to all the centuries since then wouldn't make sense when the labor pains start, the arrival of the baby is near. They start shortly before delivery, and they occur with... Again, I've read and I've heard things. They incur with increasing frequency and increasing intensity 
until the baby is born. In the analogy, the baby is the second coming of Christ. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.